What's up, everybody? My name's Colton Lee, and welcome to One More for Safety. Today, my guest is Rachel Moore. Rachel's a good friend of mine who's a fantastic engineer out in Nashville. She came up through the studio scene there and is just crushing the game. She now works for T-Bone Burnett, which is fucking awesome, and I'm super proud of her. Um, we had a couple of connectivity issues and a little bit of delay, so there's a couple spots where we sort of talk over each other, which uh, is unfortunate, but we're figuring it out. This is... This was the second podcast we've ever done, so we're we're getting there. Um, yeah, we had a great time. Hope you enjoy. You drinking? I have a beer. Ooh. Are you drinking? Hey, cheers! Yeah. This is our, our little uh, happy hour get together here. Yeah, why not? Yeah. So shit. How have you been? How's um? How's the studio scene in Nashville right now? Like, it seems like everybody's kind of back to work a little bit. Yeah, with uh, conditions, it seems like. Well, I say that majority of the people are taking it very seriously and being very cautious when they work. And then obviously with everything, there's a group of people that are not doing that. But right. You get COVID. But uh, we're we're the recording world is getting back to some sort of Simplets of normalcy, but uh, obviously, touring musicians are still hurting pretty bad. So yeah, yeah, is open, which uh, I've not gone anywhere near down there. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, so. you, you, no need, right? Shocker, uh, COVID's rampant down there, but you know who knows. Literally, so. the last time I was down there was with you and Kelly. What was that for? I we were down there with Perfect. you at six. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was like four years ago. <laughs> At least. Yeah. That was like the last time I went to Broadway to like drink. Yeah. I um, Not my thing. How have you been? Good. You know, we're just um, getting the studio going. And then, uh, you know, I had this idea to start talking to, you know, I've got all these interesting, fun friends that do cool shit and I don't get to talk to them as much as I'd like to. And I was like, well, why don't I do that? And then we can, you know, zoom it and put it on the internet for anybody that might be interested. So that's. Oh my gosh. I've done so many zooms and I have to say, <laughs> I'm kind of glad this is structured because I've, de- I've, have you done any zoom happy hours? Fuck no. Oh my God. I did one. And it's like, you know, when you're at a bar and you're like, okay, I'm ready to go home. And you're like, all right, guys, I got to, I got to go. I'm going to go. Well, when you're already at home, you can't do that. Oh yeah. Like, and it's a pandemic. So you can't, you don't have nowhere else to go. Right. Exactly. You can't can't make some shit up. Be like, oh, I got to let my dog out. It's like, yeah, uh, I've been some happy hours and they're like three and a half hours long. And it's like, oh my God, how do I get out of this? Oh my God. No. Oh, 2020 has been so weird. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, this has been just the weirdest year. I was talking about it with was a friend yesterday where it was just like it's it's been the fastest and longest year like all in one. Agreed. Yeah. <clears throat> the month of March uh felt like it lasted forever for me. Uh because well April, um, because we were all locked down, you know. Um yeah. and then after that summer Honestly, like when you left, kind of like around that time, it's like, like, I don't even know where the time went. It's crazy. Uh, me either. Yeah. Especially us. But, whereas, like, <laughs> we we ended up, we like, maybe we'll list our house. And then we're like, oh, we're leaving Nashville in three weeks. That's, yeah. That's so quick. It was so, uh, so fast and wild and so much has changed. And I mean, I, I feel really fortunate that we're able to keep working and, and, sort of do what we love i mean there's a lot of sacrifices that be to be made and you know we got to do other shit but we're figuring we're figuring a way out around it i think like you said a lot of a lot of people in nashville are like there's conditions but you can have sessions now and you can kind of get back to work and, and sort of feel like things are getting back to normal and i i'm hoping hoping rapid testing will be more readily available and we'll be able to have you know, sessions that are a little more back to how the way things used to be. Is it? I, yeah, I mean, there's no getting getting around it. Like wearing a mask for 12 hours, 14 hours sucks. Oh, it's it, it it's sucks. fucking terrible. Uh, and 
I did a session last week. Uh, it was five days and, you know, we're doing 12 hour days and like, yeah, my, the, the lower part of my face started getting like raw almost. Cause it was just and the back of my ears were hurting, but that's just part of it. I'd rather do that than wonder if I have COVID every day. So, yeah, I mean, you can do all the right things and still, still get it. Yeah. Still get it. Still get exposed. I got exposed. I, I spent Christmas and New Year's by myself here at the studio because I got exposed. And then once I got clear, uh, my sister-in-law got it like from work because she works in healthcare. And then like I was out of the house when we found out. So I was like, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm isolating. I got to keep working. Um, yeah. I found out I got exposed two days before Thanksgiving. But I had already planned on not being around my family for Thanksgiving. So I was like, this is why I didn't do it because, yeah. Yeah. yeah here's hoping. Man, yeah. I can't wait to come visit you guys. Yeah. I mean. Happens again. Yeah. Once shit's, shit's back full throttle, you're, you got a place to, you got a place to stay and come hang out. We'll show you around and check the studio out and all that fun shit. But, uh, yeah, sort of just jumping into into Nashville. We sort of talked about like the sessions and 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 things getting back to normal. Well, not back to normal, but a, a semblance of normal. But I kind of want to like I'm fascinated fascinated by sort of everyone's origin and how like it. I think it's probably because for for me it was such like a lightning rod moment when I had the moment of like. Oh, that's what I kind of, that's what I want to do. I want to do music and that's, that's sort of going to be my path. And I've sort of been on that for however fucking long. I don't even know anymore. But is there, is there a moment that you can sort of think back to and pinpoint or like the catalyst moment of, I want to do that or like, this is where I'm going to go. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of a funny story. Um, those are good. I- what those are good Uh, well funny as in like it's not as cool as you think it is but um I finished high school I I was in a band and really into music in high school Hmm. and uh I I knew deep down that I wanted to work in music in some capacity I wasn't completely sure out of high school how I wanted to do it um I knew what an engineer producer was, but honestly, I was so scared to try it. I was like, there's no way I could ever do that. So what else can I do? My family, um, blue collar, hard workers, they they wanted me to get a real job. So they said, do you need to go to college for something real? So I was like, well, okay. Uh, I like animals. Um, I'll go be a veterinarian. And so I went to college to do that. Um, turns out I hate, I mean, I'm terrible at chemistry and math, so whatever, but I had to take, um, some electives and I was like, okay, I'll take this music appreciation class. Yeah. Cause it should be a breeze. Um, so I went to this class that is for majority of people, a sleeper class. Like, it's just like, you just take this to like, cause you have to type thing. And everyone in the class is like falling asleep. It's all athletes and people that, oh yeah, like, yeah. like, you know, and you know, I went through my first week of classes or whatever as a freshman and get to this bullshit class, you know, and the teacher just starts talking about uh, music kind of in general. And I just had this moment of looking at him like, I have to, I, this is what I have to do. Like, you know, like I, I, yeah. So I, I did one semester as like veterinary, yeah. veterinary you know, and then I, I changed schools and was like, I got to do this. So I changed to um, performance major. I thought I was going to be a concert flautist. <laughs> and then I realized they have to give lessons half the year and God bless people who give lessons because I can't do it. Oh, uh, so I was like, I can't do that either. So changed course again. And finally, you know, it, it, I took the long way, but I think I... I think I lack some maturity in my early twenties. I don't know if I'd done it then that I would have taken it completely seriously. And so everything happens for a reason, but one way or the other, I ended up um, kind of going for it. And I, and I went to full sale and I said, okay, I'm going to take a few classes and see, sorry, I'm banging. Um, <laughs> see if I like this. 
Yeah. And then I liked it and got through it, got a degree. And then I started looking for where should I go? And um, honestly, I was looking through um, a Rolling Stone or sound on some magazine. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kings Leon had just come out, had just been out. And I was reading up about how, and, and I was a big fan of theirs at the time. And I was reading about Jakir King doing the Kings Leon album in Nashville, Tennessee at Blackbird Studios. And I was like, I should go to Nashville. Okay. I've never told him this, by the way. So, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, he was one of the reasons why I, I was like, maybe Nashville's it. I'm not really into country music, but maybe Nashville is where I need to go. So I decided to just go and see. And I said, I would just give it six months. Yeah. And then here we are almost eight years later. You yeah. Know? I just kept giving myself little, little goals. Like, okay, yeah. can I make it six months? Okay. Can I find an internship? Okay. Can right. I pay my bills doing this? You know, and luckily... Right. I've been very fortunate that every time I set a little bar, a little bar for myself, I'm able to keep kind of slowly raising it. Yeah. You, and you, you keep giving yourself only, enough rope to hang yourself with. And then when you don't, you just keep going. You just keep running. Right. I was like, you know what? The second I fail at this, I'm going to, I'm out. But, it, but I knew I, I, I listened to everyone else in my life and I knew deep down that if I never at least tried, I would regret it the rest of my life. And a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, just I mean to be fair you've you've been you've been really successful in what in in my opinion is one of the hardest gigs in in recording and that's being an assistant or staff engineer at a very busy very well-known Nashville studio. I mean for people that don't know that like in Nashville like there's a certain number of studios that are like we've got a staff you book a session that assistant knows that room like the back of their hand they get in they set up everything before anybody gets there you roll in at 10 o'clock you're fucking downbeat you're ready to go lines are checked mics are already up like we're ready to go and you're i mean i'd say i mean correct me if i'm wrong you're probably 85 percent of the time running the rig you're 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 running pro tools for them you're sorting out any problems i mean like there's a lot of fucking pressure. I mean, well, and and again, I think because I wasn't, I was a t- tiny bit older moving to Nashville. I wasn't 20 years old. So the one thing I had going for me was I had done a lot of things. I I, I knew I, I was laser focused coming here. Um, mm. I kind of had already tried things. I had worked at jobs where I made a lot of money, and and it did nothing for me. Um, and so I, I, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I came in laser focused and I, I wanted to find how can I position myself to be exposed to the most stuff, obviously. And, and, and I knew I'd seen, um, assistants in town, you know, and, and, yeah, I was super nervous, but it was another one of those bars for me of, okay, let me just see if I can do this. Yeah. And if I can't, then I'll uh, try something else. But then I, I got into it and it was, um, man, yeah, you get thrown into just about every single situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that, I'm super grateful. The hours sucked. The uh, pay was not always amazing, you know, but no. you like the experience and the the people that I met are invaluable. Um, Uh, And it's some of the best memories you'll have. I mean, I actually think back to like when I was like, I think I was still an intern, but we were actually, we were making a record at Sound Emporium where you were on staff for so long. And uh, I mean, I was literally sustaining myself off of your complimentary biscuits and coffee. Like I had no money. (laughs) I was like, I have $200 in my bank account and that's got like, I got to somehow pay rent. And that's not going to work. So I'm going to eat biscuits and coffee and then Oreos and Cheez-Its in the afternoon. Because after. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. after I, I got found out like a weekend and the, the band was like, are you eating? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. They're like, no, 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 we're buying lunch. I'm like, no, no. But. We've all been there, man. Yeah. I'm totally. 
give. But I look back beginning. on that and I'm like, God, that was actually like that fucking sucked when I was doing it. Like, yeah. I was, you know, you're driving home. It's 1230 at night. You were there at however fucking early. You're completely like shot out. And, oh, uh, and but I look back on it and it's like they're fun stories and fun, like fun memories. I mean, I remember like pulling over at the uh, stop sign at like Clayton there and like dry heaving for a minute because the band we were with kept wanting to do shots at the end of the night and I'm like I'm not eating all day guys and like Jakir had just bought this bottle of like 150 proof bourbon and I'm I'm like no 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 I'm fine and they're like no you got to take a shot and I'm like I'm the lowest man on the totem pole so I'm like okay sure yeah okay I I remember now who this is okay take a shot empty stomach 150 proof bourbon and like okay see ya and then you know do my little duties and then go to leave and I'm like stop at the <laughs> stop at that stop sign on Clayton and 12th Ave and I'm like huh <laughs> <laughs> but man it, it was a blast now that I look back on it yeah and how many uh how many all-nighters did you pull or or where you're like okay if I do that if I sleep on the couch here rather than drive home i can double the amount of sleep which is two hours yeah. rather than wasting 30 minutes there and back exactly. so i'm gonna sleep here yeah and i started keeping deodorant and a toothbrush at the studio and yep. you know i would just change my shirt and <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so like you just sleep uh, on the couch and and power through with coffee i mean yeah oh yeah it's, We've all it's just kind of what what it takes and I mean, I think you have a really unique perspective on this and, and asking you, like, what do you think makes a good assistant? Like, in 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 a context of not just, you know, the Nashville assistant, because that's, that's kind of a different breed that most people kind of, you may never experience, because, I mean, you go anywhere else and it's just kind of like the assistant's, you know, jerking off in the corner on his phone. He's, like, barely paying attention. But... Yeah. But what do you think makes a good assistant? And ultimately what, I mean, that's going to determine what turns you into like a good engineer and and potentially a great producer. Well, um, I, I'm, uh, I'm not the expert on this, but I feel like one thing is being really malleable. You, you have to uh, pick up, uh, first of all, you're always going to come, we're going to assume you're talking about an assistant at a commercial studio. So sure. um, you're going to come in contact with all kinds of personalities and all kinds of different types of people. And so first off is kind of learning them quickly enough to kind of learn what their working style is. Sometimes they want assistants who are super vocal, super hands-on. Um, and that kind of thing. And sometimes they don't want you to touch anything and they don't want to talk to you and, mm-hmm. and just have to kind of learn real quick when, and, and usually it's feeling them out. Like when you're talking about the initial, uh, I, I used to be able to pick up real quick, like how into talking about like their setup or whatever. Yeah. You usually can tell in that first phone call about the setup of like, Oh, yeah. oh okay. I'm going to, oh, yeah. I'm going to sit in the back of the room on this one. Well, and every time you'd be like, Oh Yeah this is, this is going to be good or, or whatever, or nope. Yeah. This person's going to suck. But Mm -hmm. so, you know, uh, people skills, you know, like picking up on the personality really quick. You don't want to be annoying to the person that you're assisting. Um, yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, um, and if, if you polled engineers and producers, I think most of their answers would be a little different. Um, but all of them would agree that they want you to seem like you're happy to be there. Um, right. You're not, I faked, you know, lots of, uh, well, we won't talk about what type of music, but, uh, <sighs> yeah. Anyways. Um, so act, act like you're happy to be there. Cause, um, ultimately, you know, and, and also look like you're supposed to be there. Right. That, you know, sometimes if you're just in the corner and you're on your phone all the time and, and not really engaging with anyone and people are going to be like, is that someone's, well, for me, people always assumed I was someone's girlfriend. So, you know, mm. I had to act like I was engaged right. and like supposed to be there right. because they always assumed I was the guitar player's girlfriend or, 
whatever, which was funny. But in most cases, you know, like if if you have a pencil in your ear or have a notepad with you or whatever, then they're like, okay, this person is supposed to be here and it's not some weird person, you know, and, and just being personable. And, and, and then, you know, that's step one. Once you get that, uh, trying to anticipate needs, which comes with experience. Yeah. Um, That just comes with being in the room and, and, and furthering that step one of reading the room. Yeah. But, you know, it was interesting for me, um, one of the reasons why I went to Sound Emporium was they don't have interns there. And so they kind of throw you in pretty quickly, which was appealing and terrifying. Um, you know, some people there, their first session was like Kenny Chesney or something, you know, it's like, well, you get really thrown in. Um, there we go. Yeah. But they start you answering the phones. And um, for me, it was like, I would just you know, it's clients calling. Um, I'd only been working there a couple months and I would, I would just talk to people on the phone and be personal, personable to them, answer the questions. And, um, I wouldn't talk their ear off, but like, you know, engage with them just a little bit. Right. And then when they came in for their session, they were like, Oh yeah, I talked to you on the phone or I remember. And then, you know, after some people, after I talked to them a couple of times, they would say, you know, what? I, I want to get her in the room. I want, you know, like, right it even started there. I would, you know, just engage with people in the hallway. Like you're making your first impressions the second anyone walks in the door, whether you're working with them or not. Absolutely. I mean, at at the end of the day, it's a, I mean, you want to boil it right down. It's a customer service job with like a tech veneer because really is you just first impressions are number one. I mean, it took me a while to figure out, but like, I look like I'm 12. So immediately (laughs) Everybody is like, oh, yeah, he's the fucking intern or like, hey, can I get some coffee? I'm like, motherfucker, I'm the one running the session. Like, hold on. So like once that light bulb went off, I'm like, I need to dress the part. I need like every day I'm going to like no more like messy hair and hats or, you know, beat up fucking shoes. It's like dress the part. You're going to be at work. Comb your fucking hair. Wear a nice shirt. Wear a nice like put some thought into your like what you're presenting to the room because I mean you think stereotypical engineer it's there's a reason like we're all like most of them are out of shape they have shitty old clothes black black t-shirts cargo shorts black sketchers whatever you like I mean it's that's the thing if you want to be taken seriously it's like you gotta you kind of you have to take what you're doing seriously you don't have to take yourself serious because that's that's a road to madness. I mean, but yeah. I I really like how you touched on touched on the stigma of oh, are you the guitar player's girlfriend? Yeah. I mean, I I know you talked about it a little bit, but how 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 have you worked your way around that stigma? Like I'm you're you're in one of the most dis- disgustingly male dominated like yeah. industries that I've ever seen. And the shit that gets said on sessions is literally appalling. I mean, well, um, how, how do you navigate that? And how, how do you, I mean, you've already sort of touched on how, on some of your, your things, but how do you ensure that you're being taken seriously? Because I mean, I know you, I take you seriously, but some dickhead that comes in off the street, it's. I just laugh at him, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> So when I was assisting, um, like I said, I, I, well, cause you're taught, um, as an assistant also to blend in as much as possible when you're not needed, you know, mm-hmm. you're the ninja, you're the one going behind the scenes and, and you're hiding in the dark corners so that you're not in the way. Mm-hmm. And so I would do that. I would, you know, and, and typically assistants would sit in the corners. Um, and so I would do that. And I remember, um, I think I've told you this story before, but, uh, um, people would always like, uh, it was like a writing session for Nashville country or something. And some writer came in and said, why is he had dip in his mouth, by the way, he said, uh, <laughs> of course why, did. Girl, why is that pretty girl sitting over there by the patch bay? And everyone kind of looked at me and I was like, <laughs> I said, uh, the, the pretty girl's working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He goes, do you want a beer? And I was like, no, thank you. But anyways, I learned that uh, 
I learned to immediately when, when a new person would come in the room, I would immediately introduce myself to them. Um, Hey, I'm Rachel. I work here if you need anything, or I'm, I'm the assistant today, or I'm, I still do it when I'm engineering. I'm the engineer today. If like not everyone knows. Right. Um, so it just sets the tone right there. Like, right. Um, so, you know, Head and it then, off at the pass. Yeah. Like it's just there. I'm, I, and, and I, I would do that. So I, yeah, I just started kind of asserting myself just a little to just let people know why I'm there. And also I would mostly always be wearing a sound emporium shirt. Um, <laughs> Surefire. Mainly because Red I flag. needed laundry, but also <laughs> so people would know I work there. Right. But um, yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's just, um, I think acting like you belong there, first of all, you know, right. um, and, and, and um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's n- those kind of things have never happened to me, but I'm very lucky to mostly work with people um, who are very uh, inclusive and understanding and positive And right. I mean, it's, it's in a way it's fucking re- like ridiculous. We have to have the conversation, right? Sure. I mean, the, I, it's just um, kind of the unfortunate world that we lived in. There's there's a lot of uh, the old guard, and especially oh, sure. in Nashville, that uh, aren't aren't especially uh, open minded. So, um, but you know, I mean, you've uh, you've obviously figured it out. You're 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 killing it. You're with T Bone now, right? Uh, yeah, that was um that's kind of a development, um, during last year. Uh, it's, it still is insane to even say it out loud, but, uh, yeah, I met him, um, 2019, we were working on a record. It's not out yet. And, um, uh, he was still in LA and then, but he had a house here in Nashville that he was working, working Mm on. And I guess, uh, COVID decided, they wanted to quarantine here. They wanted to be in Nashville. And he just, I think everyone is kind of, I think there's like this mass exodus happening from LA right now. There's so many people leaving. Yeah. I mean, you, you're not allowed to do shit in California. I mean, yeah. So well with the wildfires and everything else and it's so expensive to live. And yeah. so he, he packed up everything and moved to Nashville um, in March and um, oh, shit. hit me up. And um, yeah, been it's, it's, I cannot say enough good things about him. He is, he is, it's just, it's amazing. I, it's, it's something I'll remember, you know, for the rest of my life, I'll forever be talking about working with him. It's awesome. Um, I learned so much about life and his everything from him. So yeah. Um, touching on, uh, various projects, film, TV, that kind of thing and, and random record records here and there, but, um, he's awesome. And, and, uh, yeah, happy to be employed from yeah. COVID. I mean, that's, so. that's just so fucking cool. As, as like, as your friend and as your like peer, it's like fucking awesome to see like someone that, I mean, we met, we met on the Eliza and the Bear record when you were like a potential intern for, for Jakir and, and you worked with us for, I mean, I don't know, we worked for maybe seven weeks. Mm-hmm. together and then we we obviously just stayed friends and it was as awesome to see you go from leaving Jakir's to okay well that didn't work I'm gonna go to Sound Emporium and I'm gonna fucking make this work and you killed it there and now you're with you know fucking Timo and Burnett and it's just it's so so cool to see and I'm I'm so happy for you that um that's happened. I mean, it's just a testament to how hard of of a worker you are and, and how good you are at your job. So. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. Cause I, I feel the exact same way about you. You know, you were one of the first people that I met in town and it is so cool. It's so fun for me to see the people that I met early on and um, have known a while to see how we're all branching off and doing our own things, you know, and like, I'm so excited for you in Phoenix. Um, Phoenix yeah. No. Yeah. I'm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fingers and, crossed. Like, I think I've been telling people about you. Like, um, 
I'm like, I, I just think like, I don't know. I think you're going to do, I think you're killing it and you're, I'm excited for what's ahead for you. And, and I was telling someone else, you know, it's so kind of one of the amazing things about this industry is like, you know, like we all have our different paths and different timings and, and uh, different milestones and that kind of thing. But it's so exciting. Like, like, your path and my path are different, but they're not wrong. Like they're, it's, but I just yeah. like how different everyone's path can be in this, in this industry. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, I've had like the most insane schizophrenic path I can like think of, you know, like, yeah, same. But, but like, I feel like being open, uh, um, to whatever, um, I can't even tell you, I feel like what's benefited me in some instances is saying yes first and then thinking about it afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. What did I just do? Okay. Maybe, uh, maybe, I, okay, whatever. Um, and it, it that, you know, that's what honestly, got me was one of the thing, you know, yeah. he, uh, he said, you know, I'm doing a lot of like this TV show stuff. I never worked in any of that stuff. And, and I just said, yes. <laughs> And I just thought about afterwards, like what that meant. <laughs> like, oh fuck, what did I just do? Yeah, I was like, I literally left his house. I was like, oh my god, what just happened? Yeah, Google. But you know, I, I don't know. I I feel like I feel like there is something to if something scares you or makes you uncomfortable, you should probably be doing it. You should probably a hundred percent, especially as an engineer. If you're scared of something, it's because you don't know how to do it and you're too chicken shit to admit it. Like, just go yeah. do it. Like that's, yeah. that took me so long to understand of like, by the time, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider my time in Nashville, like a resounding success, but what I've, you know, what I did, everything I set out to do, I did, which the only thing I can attribute that to is just saying yes and mm-hmm. show up every single day until people stop asking you to show up. Like, yeah, that's all I could do was like, I may not know what the fuck I'm going to do, but if you ask me to be there, I'm going to fucking be there and I'll figure it out as we go. And if you are a young engineer out there, like that's the best advice you can give somebody. It's just say yes, figure it out as you go, because you're either going to a like figure it out and be a rock star or figure it out and get fired and figure out why you didn't, why you weren't good enough and get better. I mean, like the, I have to say so far, the best things that have happened for me have been outside of my comfort zone and outside of like almost every time something big has happened for me, mm-hmm. there's been a moment of, can I do this? And then it happens. And, uh, I usually don't sleep and, you know, it's stressful in the moment, but then afterwards it's like, okay, I did that, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. Like I, I, I feel like this is a million dollar question. You know, I get this a lot and I feel like you probably get it too. And and I tell people that I'm, I, you know, I say, just, just say yes. And then just think about it later, you know, yeah. in regards to this industry. Yeah. Know? I'm, I, I, I completely agree. And in fact, sort of picking piggybacking off of, uh, the industry and sort of like frequently asked questions. I feel like this is a good lead into I've dealt with this, my, like literally my whole life, I've, I mean, I've had other jobs, but music has always been like the real job, like my real job, at least. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think is the most commonly categorically wrong thing about what you do from, or, or what do you wish the normies like understood about what it is you do? Well, I think we've already touched on it in that. I think there are a good amount of people that get into this industry because they really love gear and they're really into the technical aspect and it is super important, but it is a customer service industry. Ultimately you need to have people skills, Mm -hmm. you know, um, Jakir was actually someone that said to me, uh, he said, you know, I could teach my mom how to do this job, but you can't teach how to interact with people. Mm -mm. Uh, you can't, you can't teach how, um, you know, and you hear it constantly, uh, be a good hang, you know, but, and right. sometimes you don't know what that means, but like for me, it means my job, um, 
in whatever capacity I am in the room, my job is for the artist and or the players to feel comfortable around me to, um, it's my job to get them to let their guard down is how I, yeah. And be a million different things that could be, um, being attentive, attentive to them, leaving them alone, um, making them like a reassuring smile or something, you know, it, it's kind of fun to like figure out, okay, what is this person's, uh, creative style? How, you know, how do they feel comfortable? You know, is it love? Is it flowers? Is it cookies? Is it, um, just, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. And, and like, you just figure it out and, and I don't know, it's, um, I've had this conversation with a few people recently, actually about gear definitely matters. Um, it's a, it's, but for me, it's like a means to an end to the creative process. You know, it's like, it's like your paintbrushes, you know, it's definitely important, but it's not everything. Um, yeah. And so I, I feel like you can tell the people that definitely get into this industry, they buy all the gear, they do all the things, but they don't, they hold themselves off and they don't talk to people. They aren't interested in building convers- um, building connections or relationships with people. Yeah, uh, That's one of my favorite things about this industry is the relationships I have with players, with other engineers, with producers, with um, artists. Um, that's I love the only re- thing that's kept me in this shit. I yeah. mean, to be honest, I mean, like I have some of my best friends and like coolest memories and, and people I talk to all the time because of, making records together and it's like yeah it's that sort of like be a good hang thing it's like don't misunderstand us and and thinking that means you're gonna get high with the band and have beers like you know like right you're here you're here to be a guide that's the thing and that i think a lot of engineers uh you're sort of alluding to is like a lot of engineers misunderstand their role in the process and and to them they are they put themselves in front of the process of like it's my drum sound and it's my fucking like whatever like this is my settings on the 1176 when nobody in the band gives a shit it's like you're here to hold their hand and and guide them through this really difficult delicate process that I mean, frankly, they're, you're you're guiding them through town naked is essentially what yeah. you're doing. Like, it, you're exposing the most insecure parts of somebody under a microscope that right. you get to hear over and over and over and over and over and over for weeks on end. So right. if you're going to put yourself in front of that process, it, it I've seen it time and time again where there's just – there's a handful of guys I can think of in town and – well, in Nashville that are – I would I would kill to have their skill level. Like if I had their skill level, I feel like I'd be the most unstoppable force in recording. But same. same. Yeah. They have zero fucking people skills. Yeah. And they'll be they'll be doing the same job for probably ever until they you know say fuck it. So yeah. it all like you put it you put it perfect. I mean like gear's important, sure. But it's not the most important. The most important is being able to figure out the dynamic of the room, the dynamic of the relationship between the band members and their relationship with the producer and his relationship with the engineer and his relationship with you. And it's it's just this spider web of how to navigate and not disrupt. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, you touched on a little bit, but taking it one step further, if you're an engineer it's also true to your producer you're working with, you know, um, have their back, but also you're, you know, reassuring them sometimes or, or making them feel, um, good or, or, um, making sure they're taken care of also, or yeah, that's what I, I mean. Yeah. It's like, for sure. I mean, the, produ- the, the band's important, but I mean, if you want to be as pragmatic and, and, as possible and really boil it down like the producer is the key to you continuing to work if you keep the producer happy i mean look producers have like that band is not his last band to work with right right like 
it might be a successful project. It might not. But if your relationship together is successful, you guys can go on to make other records. Sure. And figuring out how... And that, that extends into being a good engineer. If you're a great engineer that allows the producer to be free from having to think about, is he going to fuck this up? Am I going to lose right. this take? Or is this drum take not going to be good because, you know, the phase is fucked up or whatever? Like, if he's preoccupied with that shit, he's not doing his job as well. So if, if you're able to be a great engineer and a great support system for him as well, like, or, or her, whoever's fucking producing, you're going to ensure that you have a longer career honestly yeah and and you know it just makes everything more more enjoyable too you know like producers want to work with people they enjoy hanging out with and vice versa you know um we've all been on those sessions where people aren't happy oh we've all been there Yeah. yeah but um yeah there was uh there was something i wanted to touch on but i'm forgot what it was that we we passed by but um i did go yeah, on a so rant there sorry the initial question, the initial question fuck i even forgot i'm 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 all jacked up here Most, I think I am. misunderstood yeah mis- misunderstood aspect of the job yeah um yeah i stand by yeah because you know and and um I think you've probably encountered this. You go, if you go talk to a class or you go um, talk to a, a group of kids or something, a lot of times they're like, what do you put on kick drum? What do you do this? What do you do? You know, right. talking about the gear. Right. And it's like, you can go get a tape up or a, or a sound on sound and redo everything that is listed there. That's why they put it there. It's not going to sound the same, no. you know? Yeah. Um, get- so... You want to know that shit? Get yourself a subscription to Pure Mix. Yeah. I mean, like you want to know what what those dudes do? Do that. But you want to learn how to make a good fucking drum sound? You got to go just go do it and and fuck it up yeah. a lot of times. Yeah. The gear is not the thing. Like I've I've seen great engineers, you know, take shitty microphones and make it sound great. Oh it, yeah. It's not about it's not about the 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 gear. I mean obviously it helps we've all been there you know the first time i heard a two like a 251 i was like this can't be real you know but at the same time if you put that 251 that's a thirty thousand dollar microphone you put that in some dipshit that just graduated high school's hand it's still gonna sound bad it's just i i mean nico bolas the the prime example he'll go Mm -hmm. from 251s on every source to 421s on every source and it sounds fucking great no matter what so it's it's the magician not the wand people get too fucking caught up in the what did you do this and it's like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter um i i feel like there are a good amount of people too that they are i mean I'm going to preface with in this industry, you definitely have to be very hungry and, and very, you do need the go-getter attitude. But I, I feel like sometimes, um, and I, I'm also guilty of this sometimes, but I feel like sometimes people are anxious to get somewhere and glaze over the getting there. You know, it's like with experience and, and all those things, like you can't rush that part. Um, And I, I have to check myself sometimes because I'm like, you know, I don't know. I, I always made a choice to myself that I always wanted to be learning something else. The second I felt, you know, and, and I, I ultimately left my assisting gig because I felt like I got super comfortable, you know, whenever I start getting comfortable, I want to, I want to do something else yeah. you know, or start expanding or like, how can I keep, keep going? But at the same time, also don't get so ahead of yourself. Cause I feel like you have to fight the urge to um, be too good to do something or, or, you know? Yeah. That's um, a really, I mean, I've fallen into that comment, that pitfall so many times where I let my ego get ahead of myself. And I'm like, well, I should, why can't I like, I could fucking mix that. I like my mix is that good. And then you're like, no, hold on. It's not, or you're just, there, there's a reason People call Nashville a 10-year town. I mean, mm-hmm. sure, there is a, that boy, old old boys club that can kind of put a ceiling on shit. 
and there are there is some you know backroom whatever you want to call it but i i think that the principle of that still stands it's like it's a 10-year town because it it takes a long fucking time to sharpen that sword like it takes a long time i mean i i've i've been so guilty of it of just like rallying against the fucking man and being like you know i was up for that mix and mine was just as good as so-and-so's and he makes four times as much as i do why the fuck didn't i get it and then it's like it's you just weren't ready you know and i go back to to those yeah. mixes and uh, like i look at those mixes now and i'm like what the fuck was i doing and even though that was like two years ago like it, it wouldn't have been that massive of a jump i look at shit i pulled up my fucking mix template from like last year i'm like what the fuck is this like threw away like a bunch of shit i didn't need and i'm like oh all that shit was hurting everything i was doing way worse that's yeah we're always getting better hopefully yeah you know that's the other thing i think is it you bring that up reminds me of uh, i know people who are um they feel like they need to be at a certain spot in a certain amount of time and they otherwise consider themselves a complete failure if they're not. And you have to resist the urge to do that because uh, like I said earlier, everyone's path different, you know? Yeah. Um, I think comparing yourself to others can really hinder you. I know some people that it, 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 it's crippling, you know, and you have yeah. to really resist that. And and I'm, I'm guilty of that sometimes too. And, and I finally stopped myself because like, you can't think of, Oh, I'm this old, I'm this old, I should be doing this. Or um, I've been doing it this long, or I, you know, I've been working at this place for so long, I should be doing this and this or right. whatever. This person's already winning Grammys or already doing whatever. Like, you know, I try to just stay in competition with myself. Yeah. And, be better than and, the last you. Yeah. Like if I, I, I check in with myself like once a year and it's like, if I can say that at this point I'm better off than I was this time last year, then I consider it a win, you know? And yeah. and that's really, you know, you just have to not let what anyone else is doing eat, eat at you. Cause yeah. if you want this, then you just stay the course and it's going to work out. Stay hopefully. the course is Yeah. I mean, that's so funny. You said stay the course. Um, probably have it somewhere around here and and like a notebook from like 2014 like i wrote it in giant fucking letters stay the course because i mean uh you you said it yeah yeah it's um you're right i mean i i fall into it i still fall into it even though i'm aware that i do it of that comparing myself to others yeah and it's, uh, I mean, there's that famous quote: "Comparison is the thief of joy." If you wanna, if you wanna feel really shitty about yourself, go on Instagram, see what the people that are your age are doing, that are in your industry. And it's the the hardest part to realize is it's all a projection. Like everything that's on everybody's Instagram is like the highlights of their month, you know, yeah. or their year. And it's it's really easy to get down on yourself and think, you know, like I, I mean, I, I do it all the time, like. I recently, I had to take a second job. Like I had the studio. It's a fucking dream to have it, but things are slow. And I'm like, man, I need to get a new job. I need another job. So I picked up another job uh, slinging coffee at a resort here in town. And it was especially depressing because I had this exact same job at the exact same resort 10 years ago when I left Nashville. Or when I left Arizona to go to Nashville. And the first week I was just fucking down about it. And pity party and fucking 32. And I just like, I don't have my own house. So I like, I need to take, I'm working the same job I was fucking almost 10 years ago. And then I just sat myself down and was like, look, it's the middle of a pandemic. You're consider yourself blessed that you can text a friend and say, Hey, I need a job. And they go, when, when can you start? And that's what happened. I text an old friend, Hey, I need a job. Do you have anything? Yeah. When you can, when can you be here? And I was there the next day. I started in two days. That's the silver lining. And it's like, am I going to do that for the rest of my life? 
fuck no. That's like as soon as I'm ready to cut that cord, it's gone. But we all fall into this trap of I should be doing this. I should be here. I should this. I should that. When everybody's shit's different. And there's no... There's no real true path to happiness for any one person that works for everybody. It's all, it's so independent. And it's just like, I mean, I'm, I'm so lucky that my wife is supportive. Like there's been so many times, especially in the early years in Nashville, where I was like making no money, working 120 hours a week or just outrageous shifts and like just at my wits end and being like, I, I'll get her like, Maybe I should just get a real job and like we, we can go and have like a house and have kids and do like the normal shit instead of me like coming home frazzled at 1 a.m. like wanting to like cry myself to sleep. And yeah. and to her fucking credit, she's like, no, you'll be miserable. You will absolutely be miserable. Yeah. And on a long enough timeline, man, you give yourself long enough in this industry. Something's going to happen if you have the talent. If not, well. You'll just be one of those guys that ends up working at Guitar Center. And they're unfortunately, bankrupt. they're no longer taking applications, so I cannot apply there. So, But you know what? With you, though, you have goals and aspirations, and you know that, I don't know, you have a plan. And, and I think that's half the battle as well. Um, you know, this past year, uh, when quarantine and everything happened, uh, I, I was scared for the first time of like, you know, I had just, I'd left, um, sound emporium last January a year ago, right. which is crazy. Um, cow, yeah. had salary and benefits, you know, yeah. And decided to be freelance and then, a, and then a hundred year pandemic happens, which is laughable. And right. so, you know, it, what was crazy was, and, and this is how I knew was at no point ever. I didn't, I didn't work. I didn't make a dollar for about six weeks and Mm -hmm. in the middle of that, you know, you don't know when you're going to work again. Mm -mm. Um, and, uh, I, there was never one time of maybe I need to, to do something else, or maybe I need to get out of this, or maybe I need to, whatever. It was like, okay, what do I need to do? Do I need to go? If, if need be, do I need to go work at Amazon or go do whatever? Right. If it, down to that to get by until I can get back to it or whatever. Like there was, it was, it was always a, there was a contingency plan of like, okay, what am I going to do to hang on so I can stay in Nashville so I can do whatever. I mean, and I was, and that's how I knew that like, this is the only thing for me. You you I tell people all the time, like you can't have a backup plan. If you think if you're constantly in the back of your mind thinking like, Oh, I'll go to law school or whatever. Cause I know a lot of those people. I, I know a lot of people that are like, I'm going to give it another year and then I'm going to go to law school. And it's like, right. if you're thinking that way, you should just go ahead and go because just go now you're wasting time. It's tough. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's you, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a package deal working in the music industry and you got to basically want it and nothing else. Um, and I know for a fact that me doing something else, I would not, I would, wouldn't be happy. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I'm super grateful that, I was able to hang on last year and keep going and, and, but I know people also that had the opposite realization. They realized, you know what? I'm tired of struggling. I'm tired of this. I'm going to, I'm doing something else. And they got out of the industry, you know? Yeah. And I think it takes, it, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I feel like if it's, if that's a thought in the back of your head, you, you should, you should realize that sooner rather than later, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, there's nothing sadder to me than seeing somebody that's, you know, obviously there's, it's never too late. I mean, well, I mean, if you're in your like seventies and you're like, but you know what I like somebody that's approaching the age where it's like, man, it's going to get really tough for you and your kids here soon. If you don't make a, like a real choice, like there's nothing sadder to me than that, where I was just like, like, even really talented people that I'm like, man, if you just like really went for this, you'd be fucking killing it. But you're just, you're, you're holding yourself back. But yeah. Anyways, transitioning. Let's, um, <laughs> let's move to, I'm going to do some five rapid fire questions. 
right. So what we got favorite guilty pleasure movie. Oh God. Or or I will couch this because I will I will admit to uh, having changed this because you're a girl, which sounds sexist. I originally had 80s and 90s action movie, but I couldn't remember if you were an action movie fan or not, so I kind of panicked and went with guilty pleasure movie. Well, um, I really liked, um, well, 80s and 90s. Okay, so I think these are in the... When was uh, Minority Report? Is that actually... Ooh, that's 2000s. That's a great movie, though. Okay. Uh, and it is well, kind of borderline terrible, too, which is awesome about it. That's what it was. I mainly just have like fond memories of watching it with my older brother. But um, <laughs> okay, action movie. Well, I liked Con Air. <laughs> that you know what? It's not. Cage. It's I think that is '90s, and that is the most acceptable answer. Oh, oh, oh! And a runner-up would be uh, Sean Connery, uh, The Rock. The Rock. Both the, Nicolas the Cage movies. Both fantastic. They are both Nicolas Cage movies, man. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Nicholas Cage is the king of shitty awesome movies. Uh for some reason I love National Treasure and it's the worst movie. I've never seen that. Oh, well they still the Declaration of Independence. So there you go. Yeah. I've just uh, seen the meme lately with the the capital thing of him being in the crowd. But, that's yeah. actually my favorite meme from that whole thing. Like this was worth it because of that. Like that I want to find that guy, whoever made that meme, and shake his hand and buy him a beer. Uh, call, text, or FaceTime? Text, please. Thank you. I really, well, yeah, I, I hate calling the most. I hate talking on the phone. Yeah. I really do. Hey, voicemails, please don't send me a voicemail ever. I hate voicemails. And um, FaceTime, uh, it's become increasingly more okay because of COVID. It got a little out of control yeah. during COVID, like, I was doing like four FaceTime calls a day. I'd be exhausted and I hadn't even left my house, you know, yeah. but texting is usually my favorite texting. Yeah. That's uh that's really the only acceptable answer in this. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> who likes to talk on the phone? Ugh. Uh, actually Danny Pellegrini, he chose call, which doesn't surprise me because I've ignored many of his calls <laughs> when he's texted me or when I've texted him and he calls me back. I'm like, ah, I'm busy. I'm Sorry, this. Danny. <laughs> you maniac yeah okay sorry man and then my brother <laughs> my brother is the king of i'll text him and then he will facetime me back while i'm in public intentionally because he knows it pisses me off uh <laughs> most overrated piece of gear uh well What's funny is I was going to say the Fairchild and then I've kind of recently like circled back around and kind of been okay with them. Mm. But I feel like, dude, these are priced. And so whatever, like it's a compressor. I don't know. Yeah. That if, if I were being asked this question, it for sure would be Fairchild, but, but what's yours? Yeah. I don't know. I really, well, I actually really enjoy the plugin now, maybe cause it's not $50,000, but, uh, I like the plugin, but, um, yeah, when people say they need a fair child on their vocal or something, I'm like, you're ridiculous, but whatever. Yeah, anyway. no, you don't. <laughs> uh, favorite meal? Ooh, you know, uh, recently, I've really gotten into Korean food. And Ooh. so I've been making a lot of uh, like noodles and kimchi and stuff at, at home. Thanks, COVID. But um yeah, I've been lately like real into Asian food of sorts, different kinds. Yeah. I still wish there was good sushi in Nashville, but there is not. Yeah. I, everyone says Virago. I've been once. It was really overpriced. I don't know. And it, it was okay. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of uh, if you like Thai food, there's a, a Thai in uh, Laos Market. King. That's oh, yeah. like King's Market. Yeah, that's right by my house. It's great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. One of my uh, go-to spots there. Uh, okay. Last one. Dream car. Ooh. Well. I don't know. I've, I would go, for me, it would be a like a, which is not completely outrageous. I feel like there's more outrageous cars, but it would either be an Aston Martin or a convertible Maserati. Oh, okay. I like Maseratis. I don't know. <laughs> nice. 
All right. Well, since since this, I guess I guess this is a podcast. I don't know what the fuck this is. To be honest, um, this is me zooming my friends uh, for no reason other than to just say hey. But since this is sort of, I'm calling this one more for safety. This is sort of my one more for safety question here. Right. If you had a consequence-free time machine, as in no weird shit's going to happen, no back to the future, no no consequences, no butterfly effect, what era of your life would you go back to and what would you tell your younger self? Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. I, I've been thinking about... uh me um yeah when i was a little kid probably eight to twelve years old and i was a bit of a worry wart <laughs> you know back then i was i was kind of worried about everything and um i would just tell myself it's gonna be okay <laughs> you know everything's gonna be okay i do you have you ever had thought of like you know if you were a kid and you saw who you were now would you like yourself would you think you were cool would you think you're a dork? Would you be like, all right, all right, I'm okay with this, you know? How mm. would you feel? Ooh. I just flipped through. Yeah. I had this thought recently. I was like, Flip-flop. you know what? If I, if I had a picture of myself in my 30s what when I was, you know, a little kid, would I be cool with what I was doing now? I think I would be cool with what I was doing now and, like, who I was. And Yeah. You know what? I think I would be. Like, I think, Yeah. Because, like, my picture of, like, a 30-year-old, for whatever reason, when I was, like, you know, like, 10 years old was, like, well, you're going to die soon. You know? Yeah. Like, like I don't know why. But it's, like, that's just old. You're fine. And it's, like, you know, I'm I'm in my early 30s. Uh, I'm, I'm married. I have a great family. I have, you know, have a a job that I love and another job that... I don't so much give a shit about, but I do. You're um, still going for what you love. Yeah. Is- I still like, I'm pursuing my dreams and you know, like I don't think my parents had that luxury. My dad definitely didn't. And I, I, I feel bad for him for that. You know, at, at my age, he had me and my mom and was working construction and a job that he ultimately hated his, his whole life. Right. And then, and, and then lost at, you know, when the market crashed, you got laid off and had to start over again. So it's in some ways you, this, this comes full circle of, of, um, sort of just sticking at it because what the fuck else are you going to do? Like you can, you can have that stable job, but then COVID shown us all that it can be taken away at any moment with no recourse. I mean, so why the fuck not try to do what you want to do? And I, I think, um, my younger self might think I'm a little bit more of an asshole than I should be, and <laughs> that's fair. But uh, I think I think I'd be pretty okay with it. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good litmus test. I don't know. Yeah. But um, did you come up with an answer? What was my answer? I mean, or what was I mean question? for your question? Would you be cool with you? No, I would be actually, I, I would be proud of myself. I would, I would be proud that I have a cool job, you know, and that, um, and that I'm staying true to myself, I think is the biggest thing because yeah, one thing I kind of had, I was such a people pleaser growing up, um, in, in teenage years and everything else. And it, it took me becoming an adult to be like, I have to take care of myself and I have to um, go for what makes me happy, not what makes everyone else happy, you know? And, oh man, it's such a, it's, it's. I'm still that way. It's terrible. I hate it. I hate that part about me. And it's unfortunate for my wife because I mean, my wife and I are, we're best friends and obviously known each other forever. So she gets the most real version of me and everyone else gets the mostly people pleasing version i mean i've gotten better at it but you know she gets to deal with the uh the sort of unhappy with myself because i put myself in a situation i shouldn't have sort of version oh man yeah and it took me so long to learn that and but i think you know i think sometimes it's a it's a definite strength in in my job and i 
I think that is why you've gotten where you're at also because you you enjoy pleasing other people, you know, and uh, I don't know. Uh, but you do have to find boundaries and harness it a little bit so that you don't like self-destruct. For sure. I've gotten way better at it. I mean, not to say I'm a total pushover. I mean, I, uh, I've gotten... But that's a therapy podcast you're going to start. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Totally unqualified for, but I will do it. Uh, yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Earlier, earlier, somebody made a comment on my outfit because I changed this jacket. I will admit this. I will be vain for the podcast because I, I had another jacket on that I wore for the other one. And Kelly was like, you can't keep wearing the same fucking cardigan the whole time. And Aww. I was like, yeah, it's to be fair. That's, that's fair. I'll put this on. It's cold. Here. I, jacket? It's a Luna jacket. All right, cool. Uh, but it's cold in here, so I wear a jacket. Anyways, earlier I was out and somebody made a comment. I'm not sure about those colors. And I, I don't give a shit. That's fine. <laughs> so I've gotten better, you know. Uh, uh, I'm still gonna wear it. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. If I, I cared what, what an 18 year old girl thought about my fucking outfit, I'd have a lot <laughs> bigger problems in life. I think that's what your 30s are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't fucking care. That's yeah. what. That's what your 30s are. 20s are, you know, Suffering. you want to make everyone happy and you care what everyone thinks. 30s, you don't care what everyone thinks. <laughs> right. And then, God, I hope 40s are, I don't know. We'll see what, we'll see what happens. If it's anything like my parents, I'll just hit fuck it even more. So <laughs> who knows? Well, this was, this was fucking awesome. I'm really yeah. glad that you did this. I'm glad that we got a chance to not only catch up, but to sort of, uh, get to know each other even better than we sort of already did and in a way that hopefully people benefit from because this is stuff that I feel like not a lot of people like talk about I mean you you can go to you know like Mix of the Masters or what whatever online publication and, and talk to you know producers and engineers or assistant engineers or whatever and you're going to get a very this is how I mic a snare drum but there's not going to be a lot of like genuine sort of talk and how you deal with the day-to-day day-to-day pressures of of the job or just how to navigate life in it. So, um, just important, you know, the mental aspect of navigating this industry is is everything. Yeah, you know, you got to take care of yourself. That's the thing I don't see a lot of people do. It's like physically, yeah. mentally, like you got to you got to be on it. So, uh, I really appreciate you doing this, and I hope. I hope, you get, me. I hope you get to come visit soon or, or hopefully we're back in Nashville soon. Cause we really miss it. So. Oh yeah. I want to see Hank and Kelly and everyone. Yeah. Well, okay, thanks so okay. much. I'll yeah, talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for checking out the Rachel Moore episode. I'm super glad that she was able to do it. I feel like a dickhead. I, uh, you know, you get one beer in me anymore, and I'm just turned into a loudmouth. And uh, I chatted over her a couple times. The old uh, internet was a little bit of an issue, but we're getting that figured out. Like I said, this was the second one we've ever done. I don't know what order I'm releasing this shit in, so don't hold me to that. But we're getting it figured out, you know? This is uh, a new era in the Red Jack recording life. Um, Yeah, so I'm just rambling now. If you're still listening, what the fuck are you doing? You know? Go to the next one. Listen to another one. Or don't. Thank you.